Come on, can you clap your hands to the Lord one more time? Praise God. Praise God. If we could all stand for the reading of the word of the Lord, what an honor. What a privilege it is to have the opportunity uh, to worship God with every one of you. Uh, the amazing worship team, media team, all those involved in this service, you know. Once upon a time, I, I thought I could sing. And then um, and I tried one time, and the Lord rebuked me. And uh, got up in the pulpit. I felt led to lead in amazing grace. Found out I wasn't led by the spirit. I was led by the flesh. And I started out, oh, And people were looking at me crazy. And I started singing it. So the pastor tried to help me out. He got on the organ. But that just made me more nervous. Because <laughs> now I had to keep a tune. And uh, he caught me off guard so much. I was like, I once was. And I started forgetting the words to Amazing Grace. And so I tried to get some help from the congregation. I was like, hey, let's all sing this together. And they were like. <laughs> and so that didn't go over well. But then several months later, uh, I decided to try it again because I wasn't sure if it was the audience that wasn't ready for that type of gifted singing. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, maybe this church is ready for me, you know. So I went at this church, at, a, at another church, and uh, it was the altar call. And I was like, what's the harm I could do in the altar call? People are praying and crying. No harm. That's a perfect place to sing. Nobody will notice. People were crying in the altar, and I got up to sing. And uh, I was like, break every chain, break every And I saw someone's tear roll back up into their eye. If I ever quenched the spirit, I qu people start, there was a spirit of confusion that took over the place. People started getting up and they were like, and I, I put the mic, I said, Lord, I retired this music career for you. <laughs> but aren't you thankful to have such wonderful worship and singers and uh, so much effort that goes into that. And uh, amen. If I, if I sang, it would just be a mass exodus. Amen. And, uh, but I appreciate so much all the hard work that goes into everything that makes a service like this work. Uh, appreciate Pastor Hoffman and his wife and their wonderful family. And I appreciate them so much, their kindness, uh, their hospitality. And uh, honestly, coming here, I feel like I've been coming here forever. I mean, it just feels like family uh, being here. And I just appreciate you all so much. Uh, then brother, uh, brother Neto and his wife, thank you all for the fellowship and had such a wonderful time. I'm excited to get into the word. Appreciate my beautiful wife, Louisa Fernanda Jackson. Hallelujah. Y'all pray for her. She's because she has to do with my singing at home because secretly at home, I think I'm good still. Amen. Uh, why don't we open up our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. I did not come close to finishing my message this morning. So y'all get the part two, praise God. Amen. 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 I didn't, I didn't even come close. Amen. I was just, got so excited preaching. Amen. I preached half the message, praise God. So 
We'll see what the Lord does here this morning. Luke chapter 24, verse 26. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he said, at meet with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Verse 35, last scripture, and they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them and breaking of bread. I want to preach on that subject this morning, the breaking of bread. Can you close your eyes, lift up your hands, uh, lay your Bibles down, close your eyes, lift up your hands. Let's ask the Lord to have his way. Let us follow his spirit. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for what you've already done this morning. I thank you for the hunger that I feel in this place. Let there be a fresh anointing that would come upon us. We follow after your spirit, minister to every life, every heart, every mind, every soul, every spirit, as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands to the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Somebody shout yes. The breaking of bread. These two disciples were on the road to Emmaus, still weighed down uh, by the tragedy that had taken place at Calvary. As they watched their Messiah get crucified, nails in his hands, uh, nails in his feet. As they watched the soldiers cast lots, as they watched this amazing God suffer and tragic death. Um, something that took them by surprise. They were walking in depression. They were walking in fear. They were wondering how this could happen to someone so good and someone so faithful. And many times we get bogged down with why tragedy comes to those that are faithful, those that try to do right, those that live for God. Many times people feel like as soon as I start doing something for God, it seems like that's when all hell breaks loose. Am I the only one? We make a commitment and immediately resistance comes against that commitment. And these disciples were bogged down, weighed down, depressed with what was going on, battling with questions, doubts, concerns, fears. And the Bible says as they communed together and reasoned among one another that Jesus himself drew near 
that comforts me, that in the middle of pain, in the middle of chaos, that chaos does not stop God from drawing near to where we are. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to have the answers to all the questions. Jesus will still show up in the middle of our doubts, in the middle of our, we don't have to be perfect for the God of glory to come down in the middle of our pain. Hallelujah. Some people try to dress it up, try to carry themselves as if nothing has gone wrong in their lives, as if they're not hurting, as if their hearts are not broken. And they feel like if they carry themselves with that certain strength, somehow they will get the ear of heaven and God of glory to come down into their situation. But something happens when we acknowledge everything that's wrong with us, when we acknowledge everything that's wrong in our situation situation and at the same time acknowledge that God is able to come in the middle and God can move in the middle of a void. God can move in the middle of heartache. God can move in the middle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you. I think about the woman whose daughter was vexed with the devil. She was a Gentile woman, and she was a Gentile woman disqualified from a miracle. But the Bible says she came to Jesus and cried after him. She didn't deserve a miracle, but she cried after him. But when she cried after him, he he answered her cry with silence. I'm going to preach to somebody here. Sometimes we cry out to God, and God's response to our cry is silence. And when God is silent we interpret that as God not wanting to meet our need but God is testing our desperation he is testing our commitment so when crying didn't work the Bible says that she came and worshipped him she took it up to another level but he looked at her and said it's not me for me to give children's bread unto the dog so crying wasn't enough and worship wasn't enough he said it's not me to give children's bread unto the dogs he called her a dog do you know what type of trouble Jesus would be in today huh? if he called a woman a dog come on somebody huh? there'd be people outside the church with signs saying I'm not a dog come on somebody who does Jesus think he is calling me a dog he called her a dog huh? and look at her response huh? to him calling her a dog she said truth Lord I am a dog But that is the power of acknowledgement. Because I acknowledge everything that's wrong with me. But at the same time, I acknowledge everything that's right with you. And my miracle isn't based on me and my imperfection. My miracle is based on you and your perfection. It's not based on me because I'm not enough. But if I can get the God that is more than enough, And he looked at her and he said, that's what I call great faith. See, see, you perceive it as lack of faith to acknowledge your failures, your mistakes, your troubles, your trials. But when you acknowledge it and still acknowledge him, he says, that's what I call great faith. 
People that are going through it but still lift up their hands and worship me. People that have been through a storm and a battle but still lift up their hands and come on and they expect me to show up. They expect me to show up in the middle of their trial. They expect me to show up. Oh Lord. Hallelujah. Your trial cannot prevent God from showing up in your situation. Your hurts, your heartaches, your pains, your fears cannot stop God from showing up. God will show up whenever he wants to. Come on, somebody. Oh, Lord. He can show up in a prison cell. Come on, somebody. He can show up in the middle of depression. He can show up in the middle of heartache. He can show up, and he likes to show up. He's attracted to that stuff because he knows when you're in trouble, he knows that you're going to call on him. And what an avenue comes. Come on, somebody. Trouble can lead you to him. Oh, y'all better calm down. I'm getting on my second wind, praise God. Hey, help me, Holy Ghost. I'm going to talk to somebody here. I didn't plan on mentioning this, but I got to mention it to you because I got to encourage. I didn't talk about it this morning, but I got to mention it to you whenever I went to Minneapolis. Minneapolis, nobody was preaching in Minneapolis after George Floyd died. I went there in the middle of chaos, in the middle of riots, in the middle of despair. Uh, Christians, they were only giving out food and they were just giving out food and cleaning up the city. But nobody was lifting up their voice, sounding a trumpet. Everyone was fearful. They were afraid at the time. COVID was out. It was chaotic. It was full of despair. But God gave me a word to go right in the middle of the chaos, right in the middle of the despair. I didn't know what was going to happen. My wife was afraid. She prayed and cried. She's like, boy, you better be careful. Amen, because this would be the first night that they did the mandatory curfew where the, where the National Guard came in. So I showed up in the middle of that despair with everything wrong. And I was expecting to just pray with a few stragglers, police officers, and protesters, or just a few people. But when I went to where George Floyd died, there were thousands out there. And those thousands were walking around aimlessly and hopelessly. And right in the spot where George Floyd died, I had already played with, prayed with denominational pastors and people, people all around. I prayed with them. I took time to pray with them, connect them to local churches, local United Pentecostal churches. But then I went up right in the spot where George Floyd died. Thousands were around and people were just aimless. They were Asians, Latinos, white, black, all, all around there walking around aimlessly, hurting and broken. And they were looking, they were like sheep having no shepherd. I tried to describe it to somebody. I said the best thing, the way I can describe it is that they were waiting on me. And I went right in the middle of that chaos and said, hey, can I have your attention, please? God is going to do something in this city. 
There is hope in this city. Hundreds gathered all around me as they began to weep and cry under the power of God. You knew what I understood. I don't care how dark it is. I, I don't care how riotous it may be. Jesus can still show up in the middle of despair and pain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I prayed over them. God's presence showed up. People were crying. They were thankful. Oh, that video, someone, they took a video of me. I asked the guy, it was a stranger that was holding the camera. I said, Peter, his name was Peter. I said, can you take a video of me praying for these people? I want to encourage hope across the body of Christ. This stranger took the video. After that video went across the, the the media uh, there were there were people hundreds and thousands of people uh, that video has been seen uh, over three million times uh, there were people there was an atheist grandmom uh, she was in her 80s this atheist grandmother uh, when she saw the video she didn't even believe in God uh, they said she got down on her knees uh, and she began to tremble uh, under the power of come on somebody I said hope can come in the middle of chaos. Hope can come in the middle of despair and America is ripe for a visitation of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Uh, in that video I didn't even mention my name all I mentioned was Jesus all I mentioned was repent be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost all I mentioned was the United Pentecostal Church International and the UPCI.org website there were people after they saw the video they typed in the UPCI.org website in different states they found a local church in their city they were born again of the water and of the spirit. That Sunday, I got pictures to prove it. I'm going to preach to somebody. One of them typed in the website, and the closest church they could find was out of state. They woke up early Sunday morning. They drove out of state, and they lifted up their hands and spoke with other tongues as the spirit gave the utterance. Eddie James, a famous gospel artist, he shared the video. They said Victor Jackson is the first preacher to go out into the streets and give hope to these people. He said, someone tell Victor Jackson that he's my hero. Charismatic preachers from across the world sent me private messages and said, we thank God for the United Pentecostal Church International for leading the charge in this hour. They said, Victor, you're my, cannot tell you, truth is gonna make a way right into the desert. Truth, come on. The glory of God is going to reach right in the middle of depression, right in the middle of fear. Oh, somebody clap your hands. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hey. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Can I tell you, no matter how bad it is, God is still willing to come in it. I don't care what's going on in America or what's going on in your life. I'm trying to tell you that that is a ripe opportunity for God to get glory in the middle. He said, I do sit at the valley of Angkor. There is a door of hope in the valley of Angkor. In the valley of Angkor where that person was stoned, his family was stoned. It was a place of judgment, a place of rebellion. But out of that very same spot, hope began to grow out of that very spot of trouble. I've come to preach to somebody right now that's been in the middle of the valley of Angkor, that's been in the middle of trouble, that's been in the middle of doubts and depression. There is hope that's about to arise right in the middle of that place. He drew near. In the middle of chaos, he drew near. In the middle of depression, he drew near. I said, God will still draw near. He doesn't have to draw near in perfect conditions. Some people say, well, I want to get my life together before God responds. God says, I'll respond to you while you're addicted to drugs. I will respond to you while you're struggling with that alcohol habit. Come on, somebody. There is nothing that can stop me from coming to you. Because when I see a soul crying out and a soul that is bound, I do not wait for them to be perfect in their own volition. No, I come where they are and I empower them by my spirit to be what I have called. Come on, somebody. Hey! That's what the Bible calls the Holy Ghost is known as the comforter. Comforter, the Greek word paraclete, which literally means the divine presence coming alongside to help you. Can I tell you when you fall, God doesn't stand above you and say, what's the matter with you? Come on up here. No, he comes down into your mess and says, you come on up here. You were made for more than this. Come on, somebody. You were made for, you get up here. If you stumble again, he comes and stumbles with you and say, get up, you are made for more. Oh Lord, oh Lord, y'all gonna throw me out of here, praise God. Help me, Holy Ghost. He comes in the middle of doubt and depression and fear. And he says, now what are y'all talking about? And they say, don't you understand what happened? Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God. They said he was delivered and condemned to death and crucified. Their eyes were holding. They could not recognize that it was Jesus speaking to them. Their eyes were holding. And as they're talking to him they said we thought he was the one that should have redeemed Israel and they said beside all this this is the third day since these things were done their eyes were holding they could not recognize that it was God in his resurrected form speaking to them but their eyes were holding why because they were so overwhelmed with the pain of the past they were so overwhelmed with the tragedies of yesterday that they did not recognize that God 
God was trying to move in their life right now. And I am preaching to people right now that are so overwhelmed with their mistakes of the past, so overwhelmed with the tragedies of yesterday, so overwhelmed with the consequences of bad decisions that you cannot see that God is trying to move in your life today. I'm going to preach to somebody right now. You got to open up your heart. You got to open up your spirit and say, God, I'm going to let the fears of yesterday stay in yesterday and I'm going to cleave to you today to make me a new tomorrow. Amen. Said it's the third day. And so they said it's the third day because they, fig- they thought the third day it was impossible for anything good to happen on the third day. They were saying if something's going to happen, it would have happened on the second day or the first day. But to show how dismal their situation was, they said, look, not only is it bad, this is the third day he's been dead. And Jesus is just like, you, you don't even see me. You don't even. You're so overwhelmed with your problems that you don't see the answer standing right under your nose. You're so overwhelmed with all the chaos in your life. You lost a job. You, you, the marriage is struggling. The kids are being wayward. It's not working out as you want it. You can't see the answer right in front of you. said they said they went to the tomb his body's not there and then jesus says ought not christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory the suffering was necessary to enter into my glory and he began to expound at moses and all the prophets the things concerning himself and they constrained him saying abide with us i don't know who you are but stay with us. And he said, and meet with them. He took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And their eyes were opened. And he was known of them in the breaking of bread. They were fellowshipping with God without recognizing it was God. They didn't realize the power all around them. Until he broke the bread. And when they could not understand his resurrection, he used brokenness to give them an understanding of who he was and what he was trying to do. He said, you're talking to me, but you don't know who you're talking to. So I'm going to allow you to endure a broken season. That you might get what I'm trying to communicate. And their eyes were holding while they're fellowshipping. But there was something about when he broke the bread. And it was the, them encountering brokenness that opened up their eyes to a dimension of God they had never seen before. What is God doing with your broken season right now?
Because right out of that broken season, that brokenness, it was the bridge to understanding the resurrection. That broken season, it was the bridge to understanding the power of God. God said, you've been praying to see me in a way you've never seen me before. But it's going to take some brokenness. For you to get that. And it's out of that brokenness. Something about when they heard him. It's him. There's only so much I can learn about him. In the power of the resurrection. But I didn't realize that there were parts of him. That I needed to know in the fellowship of his suffering. Come on, somebody. Uh, what if I told you God's wanting to give you some resurrection power right out of this broken season? You thought it was in vain. You thought you were suffering for no reason. You thought it was something that you did wrong. But sometimes it's what you're doing right. And he... Uh, Trust the people that he breaks. Wave a hand if I'm helping you right now. Wave a hand if I'm helping. Oh, God. Uh, brokenness was the path to understanding him. And he takes them to Moses and the prophets. He expounds to them the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, and when he expounds to them beginning at Moses, I'd like to think that he took them back to the text where he showed them that he always gets glorified in the broken places of life. Moses, he took him to Moses. Of course he would take him to Moses. That, that makes sense that he would go to the life of Moses because Moses, the Bible says in Acts 7, that Moses was a man of mighty words and deeds in Egypt. He was mighty in words and deeds. He had an oratory. He had a gift. He had a strength about him. And Stephen preaches in Acts 7 that Moses killed that Egyptian, supposing that Israel might understand that by his hands he was their deliverer, but they understood it not. Moses killed that Egyptian in his own strength, thinking that after he killed them, that the Israelites would rally behind him and he would become the commander of a mighty army to destroy the Egyptians. He killed that Egyptian in his own strength. Mighty in words and deeds. So God put him through a 40-year broken season. And he broke down Moses' oratory. Down to a, a, a stutter. And God said, now you're in the position where I can use you. 
He spoke well, but God had to break down the oratory gift. He broke down the hyperbole, the simile, the metaphors, the apostrophes, the commas, the periods, the quote. He broke it down to a, and God says, now I can bring 10 plagues through that brokenness. Now I can split the Red Sea through that brokenness. Now I can, I broke you down to a place where only I can get I said, Moses, I can do more with your stutter than I can do with your oratory. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Because I, <laughs> I can do more with your weakness than I can do with your strength. I can do more with you broken than I can do with you whole. And I know you think you got it all together like they're going to run. No, it's just going to bring you on a backside of a desert. And I'm going to break you down into a dependency where you rely on me for every word that comes out of your mouth. You rely on, I'm going to preach to somebody in here. I'm going to strip down your independency down to a there's people here that pride themselves in being strong. Uh, I'm independent. God's like, that's cute. Uh, let's show me where your independency going to get you. Heartache. Broken relationships. Boy, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. Bad decisions. Cycle. Okay, I'm going to allow it to break you. Then it finally gets to a, God, I can't do this without you. That's what I've been waiting for. And I will allow the brokenness to build you up into my image. As a, as a matter of fact, the Bible says that we were... Born in sin and shaping in iniquity. Iniquity! Lawless behaviors shape us into the image Satan wants us to be. So God will break us down that we might conform into his image. Come on, somebody. And he breaks off the shackles that the devil has tried to place on you. And he shakes off the generational spirits, the generational curses that have tried to bind your family. And he builds you back up into a royal. Oh, somebody clap your hands. Oh, God, I feel the whole Oh, praise God. Oh, Lord. Y'all so hungry. Y'all pulling this out of me. I'm trying to stop preaching. <laughs> Y'all just so hungry out there. Pray. You put, come on, leave some of this for me. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, I'll give it to you. Hallelujah. Here it is. Here it is. I, I didn't even want to say this. Y'all, okay, here, all right, I'm just going to preach. Praise God. Uh, people think that a caterpillar 
goes into a cocoon and then all of a sudden puts wings on and starts flying. Like the caterpillar almost like keeps its substance and then comes out with wings and just like, hey, we, I came out of this cocoon. No, you know what happens in that cocoon? That whole caterpillar, caterpillar breaks down. Its own enzymes from the inside breaks its whole body down to a goo. There's not even the form of anything in that cocoon. You open that cocoon up, water's going to spill out. The whole body breaks down. And then it just builds itself up into a butterfly. The only thing that remains is the little structure. But everything else sheds off. Then over time, God builds it back up. And it doesn't even look like what it's been through. Come on, somebody. Who's God doing that to right now? Ah. Um. David, he, his brothers, hey, am I helping anybody? Wave a hand if I'm helping. Um, David, um, his brothers, uh, his, his brothers kind of hated him, you know. It doesn't feel good when you watch your brother be anointed in front of you. When the prophet comes and says, oh, not you. No, uh, definitely no. Uh, do you have another brother around here? Yeah, yeah, uh, he's watching the sheep, but we were kind of hoping a lion or bear would kill him. We put him in a danger spot. Come on, somebody. There was a tension in the family. Then they get him, and the prophet says, let's say it the Lord. I have And the brother's like, come on. He goes out. His brothers go forth to battle, and then David comes, and his brother says, what are you doing here? It's just the naughtiness in your heart coming in here. There was a tension in the family. Hmm. There was such a tension between David and his brothers and that family. Je jealousy, envy, all types of things. But the Bible says that when David went into the palace and Saul wanted to kill David, throwing javelins to try to kill him. Listen, Saul chased David into caves. And he chased David into the cave at Dulam. This was a broken moment in David's life. And in that cave of brokenness, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 22, 1, that David's brothers came to meet him there. There was a tension. There was a jealousy. There was all that. But whenever they saw their brother was in trouble.
and his brother's enemy was about to destroy him. They put their jealousy aside. They put the past history aside. And they came into his broken season. And David's broken season became a cave of reconciliation. What is God trying to reconcile in your brokenness? They put their agendas aside. They put the history aside. And they said, my brother's in trouble. And David's brokenness became a place of reconciliation. They put the past behind them. Not only did that happen, but David brought his father and mother to the king of Moab. The Moabites hated the Israelites. Oh, Lord. But Jesse was a descendant of Moab. Oh, y'all making me preach here. Jesse was a descendant of Moab. His, Ruth was a Moabite. But there was tension between Moabites and Israelites. But in trouble, in chaos, in pain, in brokenness, David brought his father to the king of Moab. And there was, listen, generational reconciliation. Out of one man's brokenness. What generational conflict is God trying to reconcile in your broken season? And here it is. Jesus feeds the 5,000. And when he feeds the 5,000, before he feeds the 5,000, they say, we only got five loaves and two fishes. He says, well, just bring it to me. When they bring it to him, before he breaks it, it's five loaves and two fishes. It's normal. After he breaks it, it becomes abnormal. Before he breaks it, it's sufficient to feed one. After he breaks it, it's sufficient to feed thousands. But when he gets this bread, the first thing he does is he takes it, he blesses it, and he breaks it. Here it is. God would not allow you to be broken if he didn't already bless you. Because he always blesses before he breaks. God would not allow you to go through suffering if he didn't give you enough blessing to sustain that suffering season. So what if I told you your brokenness is a sign of your blessedness? Because it would have never came to you if God didn't already equip you with what it took to survive it. What if I told you a year ago you were in a church service like this and you felt the presence of God. You felt to linger in the altar for a little bit. You felt the glory of God. You curled up into a corner. And what if that was God blessing you to survive this pandemic? To survive this pandemic, to survive this period of unrest, he was blessing you before the breaking came. The Bible says that you were chosen in him.
before the foundation of the world. Which means you were in the mind of God before the earth was created. You were in the mind of God before Adam was created. You were in the mind of God before Abraham was created. You were in the mind of God before the world was created. So God said, I'm going to keep you in my mind. Here it is. This is my last point. I'm going to keep you in my mind. Listen, and I will not release you into time until I find the best time for you to live for me. So I'm going to hold you in my mind and I will not release you in 300 BC. No, that's not a good time for you. I'm going to hold you in my mind and I will not release you in 400 AD. No, I'm going to keep you here. I'm going to hold you in my mind. I will not release you in the late 1800s. No, I'm going to release you in the middle of a pandemic. Because you're the only ones I can trust to get through it and come out on the other side with power. Oh, somebody needs to thank the Lord right now. Come on, you need to stand on your feet and clap your hands to the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet. He said, I'm going to release you in a period of unrest. Come on. But I wouldn't allow you to live during this time if you couldn't handle it. Come on, somebody. But I put you in here because I knew that brokenness would draw you closer to me. I put you in here because I knew your heart would open to me that much more. I put you in this time because I found the best time for your gift to be effective in my kingdom. I said it's not coincidence you're here. I said, it's not an accident you're here. He knew where this world was going to be. And he put you here because he trusts you. I said, he trusts you. Look at the strength in this place. Look at you, how you got a smile in this place. How you in church with all the stuff you've been through in your life. Come on, somebody. He said, I'm just blessing you before the breaking happens. And your brokenness is a sign of your blessedness. God, oh, Jesus. Praise God.
Hallelujah. brokenness and the sign of your blessedness. God did more for us broken than he could do for us whole. He created the world with his words, but he saved the world with his wound. God's doing something in you in this broken season. And with this ministry, with, with what's happening right now, I feel compelled by the Holy Ghost I want you to just lift up your hands where you are right now and I want you to ask the blessing of God to fall on you right in the middle of that place ask God to reveal to you the places that he's already blessed where we're not so blinded by the brokenness that we forget that there's a blessing in the middle of it. What a ministering anointing I feel here. Come on, somebody open your mouth right now. Come on, can you join with the person next to you right now? Can you join with your family member? Can you join with the person beside you? Close your eyes and can you open up your mouth and release the blessing of God upon that person next to you? There's a blessing in the middle of this brokenness. Come on, that's it. Open up your mouth. There's a blessing in the middle of this brokenness. Ah. Oh, Jesus. Mm.
Come on, lift up those hands. I'm gonna see victory. I'm gonna see victory. Come on, if you want to come forward to pray, you can. If you want to come forward to pray, you can. If you want to stay in your seat, then pray, you can. Just respond to the presence of God. to me loud and clear there are people here that have been trying to get their life together without allowing the power of Jesus Christ to come right in the middle of your brokenness there are people here that you have never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. There are people here today that God is calling you 
by his spirit to take on his name in the waters of baptism. And he said, when you take on my name, every sin, every mistake, every wrong decision, all of your history will be washed in my blood and it will stay under the water and when you arise out you will come out a new creature in Christ Jesus when you go into that water it's like entering into a cocoon come on come on come on Jesus you went in one way, but when you came out, there was a metamorphosis that happened. You don't walk the same anymore. You don't talk the same. Not because there's anything good in you, but it's Christ that's working through you. It's Christ that is upon you. And there's been people that have been afraid to get baptized in Jesus' name because you say, Brother Jackson, I'm still struggling with some things. And I'm afraid that I'm going to mess up after I get baptized. As if you messing up will discount you taking on his name. You see, it's you taking on his name that gives you the power to get up again. So if you fall, no one's perfect. If you make a mistake after you get baptized, God doesn't throw you away. He goes, no, you have my name. You're my possession. I'm going to help you get up. I'm going to strengthen you. You're not alone. You don't have to do it by yourself. It's time to get baptized in the name of Jesus. We have robes for you. We'll honor social distancing. We'll, we, we will do it in the most respectable way, but whatever you don't want to get wet, we have robes for you. I didn't do this in the nine o'clock service. I follow the Holy Ghost and the Lord's saying, there are people here that are ready and you've been feeling convicted. You've been feeling a hunger and a thirst, but at the same time, you look at your mistakes and your failures and you say, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. But God's saying, daughter, daughter's child, my son, it's time for you to let your life be changed by my power. You don't have to earn it. Come on, somebody. You don't have to earn it. Just receive his love. If you were baptized as a baby, if you were baptized as a child, can I tell you no one in the Bible was ever baptized as a child because a child can't make that decision. A baby can't make that decision. No one was ever baptized as a baby. A baby can't make that decision. That's the parents making that decision. If you were baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and all you remember is that they called out in a Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, no one in the Bible was ever baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Everyone was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why is that name so important? Because neither is there salvation any other, but there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Acts 8:16 for as yet he was fallen upon none of them only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Some people say brother Jackson I thought no matter how I was baptized I could only do it once. Even in the Bible they got rebaptized. Yeah. 
They were baptized in the baptism of John and they found disciples. And he says, how are you baptized? They said, we were baptized under John's baptism. He said, John told you to believe on him that should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. And the Bible says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 19 and 5. 5 and 6. It's time. It's time. Because out of your brokenness, you know what? You're going to come out a new creature. You see, before this broken season, you would have said, no, I, I, I'm just never going to do it. But now is the right time to respond in that season. I want you to ask the person next to you right now, ask them, have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Come on, ask the person next to you. I want you to ask the person next to you right now, have you been baptized? Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Come on, ask them. Come on, ask them, how are you baptized? If, you, if they can't hear you with the mask on, pull the mask down. How are you baptized? How are you baptized? Tell them it's only in the name. If they said, I don't know. If they said, I don't remember. If they said, I'm not sure. Tell them it's time to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, look at that person. Look at them. Say, it's time to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want you to grab them by the hand and say, it's time. If you can bring them forward for those that would like to get baptized in Jesus' name, I want you to come forward. I want you to come to the front. We're going to celebrate with you. You come to the front or you can come on this platform. We're going to rejoice with you. Come on, there's people that are ready to get baptized in Jesus' name. Don't be shy now. Don't be shy now. You make your way forward. Don't be nervous. We'll honor social distancing. We're honor social distancing. It's time. This is the right moment. If you have not been baptized, if you're baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, you need to be rebaptized. I want you to come forward. Come on, I want you to come forward. We're going to celebrate you. There's going to be life. There's going to be strength. There's going to be power. Can you lift up your hands where you are right now? Lift up those hands where you are right now. And I want you to pray that God's spirit would begin to draw. You don't have to be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of taking on Jesus' name. There's nothing the matter with the name. If you want to see victory, if you want to walk in authority, if you want to walk in that anointing, now's the time to make that decision. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, come on, ask them, tell them it's time, it's time. People looking around, hey, he's, no, no, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Now's the time. Well, well, Brother Jackson, I'm waiting for the right moment. There will not be a right moment. Now is the right moment. Today is the day of salvation. You're going to walk with a joy you've never walked in before. You're going to walk with a smile you've never walked in before. You're going to walk in a hope you've never walked in before. You're going to walk in the power of God like you've never walked in. It is time. Hallelujah. It's open. I want you to grab the person's hand next to you. They're about to sing again. Grab the person's hand next to you right now. Oh, Jesus, it's the time. When I got baptized in the name of Jesus, I felt I didn't get saved till I was 19 years old. 
I felt like I was a failure. I felt like I was nothing, but something happened to me. When I went under the water, they said, I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of sins. And when I came up, I came up with a shout. I came up, I came up with a hope. Come on. I felt 19 years of abuse erased off of my life. I felt 19 years of psychological trauma erased over my life. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, there's hope in the name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. They're about to sing again, and there's people I know that need to come forward. God's a gentleman. We're not going to force you, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's the best thing that can happen in your life. And I know you've been in services. The Lord's speaking to me. You've been in services for months. You've been in service for a year. Some of y'all been coming two years. You've not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You put it off. You kind of hide it in the crowd. The Lord said, Victor, I want you to stop the service and I want you to tell them by my word so they can't hide. Yeah. And say, it's time. So people say, well, I don't know. The Lord's asking a question. What's the matter with my name? Come on. Try to debate it. Oh, well, does it have to be the name? God said, what's the matter with my name? It's his name. Lift up those hands across. They're about to sing. Hallelujah. Let the power of God fall on you right now. Come on. Let the blessing of God begin to flow from the front to the back. Come on. Somebody open up your mouth and glorify the Lord. You take, take, you take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good, you turn it for good.